What's up, Stu? What's up, Kevin? How you doing, man? Been good, been good. We haven't talked in a while. I'm excited about uh, our topic for today. Yes. Today, we're going to talk about wealth, investments, how you should manage your money in your 20s. Now, as a disclaimer, we are not financial advisors. We're only simply sharing some thoughts, some opinions on what we think is a good way to do it uh, or what has been working for us. Um, So, you know, kind of take it with a grain of salt. We hope you find value in it. Um, But let's let's start it off. Uh, You know, what what do you think is – well, let's start with money management. I feel like that wealth people often associate wealth with money, right? Mm -hmm. So I think managing your money I think is a good place to start. Um, You know, what are your thoughts around that? Yeah, I think um, there's a lot of ways to go about it. Uh, specifically, especially since you're in your 20s, both of us are, you know, we're in our mid-20s. It's really a great time um, and opportunity to double down on all the opportunities that you have ahead of you, not just, you know, in terms of your career, but also in terms of how you um, take care of your money, you know, and how you you have your money take care of you later on when you're less capable of, you know, earning money. Um, I think, one of the biggest importances is learning how to cut unnecessary expenses. That's the first one because if you aren't very savvy or very uh, meticulous about seeing where you're just totally just wasting or blowing money, you won't have that extra money to begin with to get it to work for you. And we'll kind of segue into how certain ideas or certain ways that you can do you know, in your 20s to make your money work for you in the long run. Okay, let's talk about unnecessary expenses. What are those? Um, I like to I like to categorize this as a, to give credit to a different um, very popular podcast. Uh-huh. Um, it's called Bigger Pockets. Okay. And just, just so that we're not, we're not you know, stealing ideas, but this is a very, very solid, I think, piece of advice that I got out of um, their podcasts and the books that there they have. Mm-hmm. Um, it's knowing how to categorize your expenses. So mm. in a nutshell, all of your expenses can actually fall into one of these five buckets. So don't you think of this as like water trickling down. Your money is the water. And these expenses are the five different buckets that the, the water can, can fill up and pour into. Okay. Some buckets are a little bit more useful than others, but um, one, way, one way or another, water will flow into one of these five buckets. Hmm, interesting. And so I'll kind of go in order in which normal people usually put pour their water into their buckets, so to speak. Okay. Um, in the order of the ones that they first put it in and the ones that they last put it in. Uh-huh. Um, so most people, they put their money into, especially when you're young and in your 20s, they put it into what we call fun money. Mm. So fun money is kind of like the money that you use essentially to get things that you want. That's the key word. You want. Not things that you need, but things that you want. Mm. What does that mean? It could be that nice pair of shoes. You know, it could be that nicer car. It could be that vacation. It could be that, um, you know, tickets to like um, a music festival, right? Or it can be to the movies or just buying exorbitant amounts of alcohol, you know, to party, you know, party money. You know, that's fun money, you know. Um, or just whatever kind of stuff that you kind of like, but you don't really, you could live without, so to speak, fun money. Um, the second bucket is basically what we call variable expenses. So this kind of includes things like um, your groceries, you know, kind of daily living expenses like 
you know, shopping supplies, whatever you get from Amazon or Target, you know, like toilet paper, stuff like that. Stuff that you'll need, but it's not a fixed expense. It's expenses that are there when you need need to pay for it to sustain your way of living, like gas, paying for gas or paying for electric vehicle charging. You know, mm-hmm. those are variable expenses. And then you've got the third bucket, which is usually one of the bigger buckets for most people, which is your fixed expenses. So these are kind of like overhanging expenses that you cannot ignore. Otherwise, it will basically put you at risk of being in bad credit. It'll hurt your credit if you don't make these payments on time. Um, what are some examples of this? Biggest one is house payments or rent. You know, if you're renting or living somewhere, that's a huge, huge fixed cost that a lot of people just overlook or try to um, not really make efforts to find ways to save on that. Um, other ones might be car loans, you know, car payments. If you miss your car payments, you know, you're, it's really going to hurt your credit scores and your, your credit card payments and your bills. Um, so those are kind of fixed um, expenses that you can't avoid, you know, um, but you can most certainly reduce. The fourth one, which kind of caught me off guard that that podcast kind of mentioned was donations. So money that you donate to causes that are that you support, you know, or just really a form of giving monetary value back to society, hmm. which I think. It's really cool. They mentioned some sort of research that says if you practice the habit of donating, that actually helps increase your your willingness and ability to earn more because you realize you're not just making uh, money for yourself. Although that's a little bit more altruistic, it it was an interesting point that they brought up. Hmm. Interesting. Is, is there not, any like data or statistics on that, or is it just kind of like there, a statement they threw out there? There is, but I don't want to butcher it. Okay. So, for the risk of preserving the integrity of yeah. the information, I would just recommend just checking out Bigger Pockets. Okay. Um, and we're by no means affiliates of Bigger Pockets. Yeah. It's just one of those few podcasts that you come across that's high quality. And the last but not least is the boring stuff, but probably the most important stuff, which is savings and investments. Mm. See, most people use their fund money, then their variable expenses, then their fixed expenses, and then maybe or maybe not donations. And lastly, they think about their savings. Mm. But in that podcast, you kind of mentioned that. Savings as an expense category? Um, Yeah. Okay. Yeah, think of it as an expense, right? Like rich dad, poor dad, pay yourself first before you pay your bills, all that stuff. But mm-hmm. it it should be the other way around. Whatever you make, right, you should make a conscious effort to put whatever you need into savings and investments first. Mm-hmm. And we can talk about how you can kind of generally invest mm-hmm. uh, for the long run, even if you're not a super savvy sort of an investor. Mm-hmm. Uh, just some ideas that you can try out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then reverse the order so that the fun money is the last. Mm-hmm. And you'd be surprised that if you exercise this mind muscle, like, you know, not mind muscle, but like this, this mental discipline, mm-hmm. you'd actually be surprised with how much more you actually have to spend in the fun money and still have it a decent amount of fun, you know, and mm-hmm. still not feel like you're, you're suffering, so to speak. That's interesting. And that's the key is the habit, you know, early on having this habit is going to help you um, basically leverage your money to work for you. But Mm -hmm. first and foremost, you need to have the money. Mm -hmm. Does it talk about like how to divide it? More or less. um, I haven't gotten that deep into that podcast, but in my personal research, um, there's definitely ways that that are very solid Mm-hmm. Um, pieces of advice from a lot of people who have already done it. You know, I'm not reinventing the wheel here. I'm sure. just simply summarizing yeah. what a lot of people do. Um, 
I, I like that. I feel like yeah. it's broken down into some categories to help you be more conscious of, of what bucket you're putting a lot of your money into. Another book that I really, really love about wealth is The Richest Man in Babylon. That's mm-hmm. one of my – anyone who, who talks about like wealth, financial uh, principles, I follow that book like religiously. I kind of created my own – you know, version of that, but something super simple that I took away from that book was, let's just say in, you make us X amount of money every single month, right? With the money you make every single month, you take a percentage of that and you put it away into your savings. Like you pay yourself first, right? So let's just say you make X amount of month, you put 40% away into your savings, right? And then with the remaining 60%, you can do whatever the hell you want with that money, right? Mm -hmm. What category you decide to put it into, you can decide for yourself, right? But there's no way in hell you're touching that other 40%. That 40% is money. It's sacred money. Sacred money you don't even have. And with that 40%, once you build it to a certain level, you're going to use that 40% of money you saved up to invest and make you more money. Exactly. And that, in that book, it's it's a very simple system. You just take a percentage off the amount that you make, put it in the savings, you live off of the re- the rest. However you want to do it, right? Have fun with yourself. Do, you know, whatever it is that you want to do. Take care of your expenses, X, Y, and Z, within, that, within those means, right? And you can change the percentage yourself depending on what you can do. Your I tolerance think, and your, your current expenses. In your current yeah. expenses. And that's what I feel like the categories can really help because you can see like, hey, you know, mm-hmm. I can actually be saving 40% instead of 10%. In the book, I think it just talks about 10%, right? But the more aggressively you can save, the better off you'll be. And I think it's really important too is once you get to a certain level is you don't change your living standards. I think... Sometimes when they when people they in their early twenties and then they get to their mid twenties and they start making more money because what do they do? They, they immediately spend. They spend more. more. Mo- they spend more money and then that leads to increase increasing your expenses. But if you don't change the way that you live, you can consistently increase the percentage that you're saving and paying yourself, which then you can invest to make you dividends in the future, right? But a lot of people just don't do that. And why do you think that is, Kevin? I, I want to ask you this question. I have thoughts of my yeah. own, but why do you think it's such a regular human tendency to, oh, I need more. Just going to spend more now. Just going to enjoy the moment now. I worked yeah. hard for it. Um, it's normal. You know, I think it's normal. And not to say you can't do that. Right. right? And it, it comes back to like what you value. Right. Because there, you know, there's that whole thing is like, oh, well, I want to have fun while I'm young. X, Y, and Z. That's fine. If you, you can still do that. You can you still can be do smart that. about it. You yeah. can be smart about it. But if you complain that you're broke all the time or if you complain you're, you're – not getting to where you want to be. Exactly. Know? Then that becomes an issue. And also the last thing you want to do is regret in the future like, man, I made so much money but I didn't manage it well and now I'm broke. Well, then now you're going to have to learn the lesson the hard way, mm-hmm. right? You much rather take the baby steps so you don't have to learn a hard lesson and mm-hmm. just – be kind to your future self and start saving now. But, you know, it comes back to, I mean, going back to your original question is like, why do people do that? I think a lot of it. Yeah. Why is it tough? Yeah. 
It's for several different reasons. I think it's like there's an ego side to it where you want to flex and show off to your friends. I got to have that nice thing to show everyone that I'm doing well right now. I'm doing well for yourself, right? It's like this whole perception of who you want, how you want other people to perceive you. Mm -hmm. And some people even do this when they're broke and they don't even have money. Yeah, that's even worse. So That's even worse. But also at the same time though, I'm not – I don't disagree with treating yourself because Mm -hmm. I think it is important to treat yourself so you can go out and make more money. I'm actually a believer in that too, where it's like, hey, you can make money for 10 years and make a lot of money for 10 years, but if you don't have fun with it and if you don't enjoy it, you're going to associate negatively Mm. like, oh, making money isn't fun versus, oh, making money is fun. You got to have a reward system to motivate you. Exactly. And it it also kind of comes back to, to a separate question too, is like, hey, you know, if 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 doing what you do isn't enjoyable in itself, mm-hmm. then you know any sort of motivation of like making money isn't going to be great anyway. Like you got to do something that you actually kind of enjoy doing in order to make money. But I don't want I don't want to derail the conversation. But I think yeah, you got to taste a little bit, just a little bit yeah. of the fruits of your labor, yeah. just to know that what you're doing is working. You're on the right track to you help you double down. Exactly. Even harder. But don't go overboard. Yeah. You got to like balance it. You know, right. stay so within the right percentage. It's a fine line. Yeah. yeah. So my thoughts on it are actually kind of what you alluded to already. But yeah. I I think it's the what it comes down to is yeah. it's the misunderstanding of opportunity cost. Mm-hmm. So I really like that term, opportunity cost, Mm -hmm. especially at at a young age, you know, when you're in your early 20s, mid 20s, even Mm -hmm. if you're in your 30s, you know, Mm -hmm. um, or even if you're in your in your teens listening to this, you know, your biggest, biggest asset, you know, in your youth is your time and time is a exponential multiplier. So if you establish the habits early on the right way. Lao Tzu, I think it was the same from Lao yeah, Tzu. Yeah. Do what is hard when it is easy. Ooh. You know, you will really, really be thanking yourself um, in the long run. Your future mm. self will look back and thank you on the correct decision that you made. Yeah. Because you're able to have the ability and the foresight mm-hmm. to consider opportunity costs. Mm. You know, what is the alternative? If I don't establish these good habits, what is my life going to look like? X amount of years from now mm-hmm. versus if I do establish these good habits, you know, and I still live my life, but along the way I can look back and say, I made the right steps towards, you know, financial independence yeah. you know, or financial stability at mm-hmm. the very least, you know? So we talk a lot about managing our expenses, the principles behind that, but like, let's say you're in your mid to late twenties now, mm-hmm. right? What do we do with that money? What do we do with the amount that we save? Say you have forty, fifty thousand dollars saved up. Mm-hmm. What's next? What do you do with that? Yeah. So personally, this is what I'm doing. So I'm putting yeah. where my the um, what is it? My money where my mouth is. Mm-hmm. Um, great advice from quite a bit of YouTubers that you probably may have seen, may or may not have seen online. Graham Stevens is one of them. He's like this whiz kid who's like, oh, he's not a kid. He's like 28, but He's self-sufficient, self-made, and he's got a lot of great tips and advice on real estate investing and also just general stock portfolio investing. Hmm. You know, a lot of, especially in the younger generation, um, we're very accustomed to robo-advisors. Maybe you've heard of it. Maybe you haven't. Um, There's a couple of popular ones such as like Robinhood. You know, there's also Vanguard. Uh, A lot of just um, well-managed diversified portfolios like index funds. And the reason why... 
this may be a good investment strategy for a lot of younger people who aren't that interested or into just being day traders, you know, or just being around the clock, always constantly looking at the news of the financial markets. Um, because these index funds basically allow you to invest in a large pool of many, many, many solid companies that are highly reputable or have been sustainable or have been in business for a long time. And it's actively managed passively so that you don't have to for a very, very, very small uh, expense or a very small fee. And the reason why this is good is twofold. One is you can kind of set it and forget it, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, and two is it will far, far in the long run outweigh the, the, I guess, just leaving the money as cash, you know? Mm -hmm. So there was a point in time in my life where I was like, I'm just going to make all this money. I'm going to save it up Mm -hmm. as cash. Mm -hmm. And I look back, I was like, that was probably one of the worst things that you could do Mm -hmm. in terms of leaving everything as cash. Because what happens is there's a thing called inflation, which basically makes your money less and less valuable on average by 2% a year. So what's worth $100 today in a year will probably be worth $98. The same physical $100 bill will have the same buying power as $98 a year from now. And if you compound that effect over the course of 10, de- 10 years, you know, two, 20 years, you know, 30 years, then you can immediately see that your money is worth a lot, lot less if you just leave it there, sitting there, not doing anything, you know. So we were talking about making your money work for you earlier. And one of the ways is to invest in a nice diversified portfolio like an S&P 500, which is basically like a conglomerate of the 500 most um, – Biggest companies, basically, in the U.S. economy. Hmm. Essentially, what you're betting on is the fact that the U.S. economy in the long term is going to be fine. Mm -hmm. And what's great about the S&P 500 is it's got over a century's worth of track record, you know, so or a very, very, very long track record that you can look at. You know, you don't want to park your money as as exciting as, you know, things like cryptocurrency is if you don't really know what, you know, or all these like penny stocks. If you don't know what you're investing in and something that's not stable, when you put your money into that, like there's a very, very high likelihood in the long run, you'll lose all your, your savings if you put it into something volatile like that. Yeah. You know, but with S&P 500, even, um, what's his name? Warren Buffett, right? The most reputable, by far the highest, um, most successful investor of all time. He's kind of given an advice and he made a bet that I will invest I think a million dollars into an S&P 500. And I'm going to place a bet that in 10 years time, this S&P 500 will passively have better returns than an actively managed portfolio by financial experts. And over the course of like a specific time window, a long time window, the S&P 500 outperformed, I think somewhere between 95 to 90% of professionals. Keep in mind, these are Ivy League level, you know, Harvard smart asses whose career and sole job is to be financial advisors and manage money. And only about 2% of them on average can beat the S&P 500. So that kind of gives you an idea. Yeah. That's, that's so interesting that you said that. I, and I, I use the same strategy. Mm-hmm. So like I, I love the set it and forget it mentality because mm-hmm. one, unless if you're going to actively invest and you've yeah. got insider information, mm-hmm. you know, but for most people who don't have that time or energy, that's better than just leaving there as cash. And that's me. I like to just 
set it and forget it, right? Just leave it in there, put it on a continual basis every single month, right? And then invest on a consistent basis into that managed account so that over time, that compound interest will really help you in the long run. It's powerful. Yeah, Yeah. 100%. Not saying everyone has 100K, but it's something that you can work towards, Mm -hmm. you know, with discipline and maybe within five years time. Very doable for most people. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's say you had 100K today. And you compound an interest of an S&P 500. Let's be conservative and say it's between like eight to eight to nine percent, mm-hmm. right? That same hundred thousand dollars today in thirty years will probably equate to over like three million dollars mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. If you are getting slightly better returns, just two percent better returns at like ten percent or eleven percent, that three million dollars jumps up to close to over five million dollars. Mm-hmm. And it's the same $100,000. You didn't touch it, you know, for, for 30 years, you know. Yeah. For most people, if you can retire at like 40, 50, or 60 with three to five mil, you know, liquid, like, cash assets, like, you're good. You're yeah. you're good to go, you know, yeah. if you're not unwise about your spending, you yeah. know. Yeah. And I think it, it comes down to that. I'll add just a small other nuance. You guys can obviously research <laughs> into this more and more, but... um. Another way to protect your portfolio is to not just completely put it in the U.S. markets, but also have a little bit of of leeway and protection against uh, putting all your eggs in one basket, and that's putting it into the um, international stock market as well. You know, outside of the U.S. market, there's also an international market where there are also other growth opportunities. Mm-hmm. And then, last but not least, a third I call it the lazy three um, asset allocation classes myself the lazy three mm-hmm. uh, the third one would be into bonds and a general consensus is why would i put it into bonds you know it's a way to kind of hedge your bets if stock markets aren't doing as well bonds tend to do a little bit better but a good rule of thumb is if you're a young individual take your age and i think subtract it by 90 mm-hmm. um, and that should be the percentage of your your investments that should be in like roughly like in bonds and the remaining percent of 100 percent should be in like in something like an S&P 500. Hmm. Just a general rule of thumb. Interesting. Yeah. At least that's what I do. Again, you don't have to do it exactly the same. We Where do you go invest in bonds? You you can actually do that just by investing. I personally do it through Vanguard. Mm-hmm. It's one of the most popular ones. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is because Vanguard has a very, very low expense ratio. Mm-hmm. Um, expenses, I think, are really important, especially when you're young, because you want to cut down on management fees as much as possible mm-hmm. although there may be great financial advisors that get great advice they come at a fee and that fee in the long run eats into your profits mm-hmm. you know unless if you have huge amounts of money that you need to asset very at a very high level then it may be worth getting a certified or a professional advisor you know but just for the general average joe like i think having a good passive index fund portfolio is is a very solid strategy okay that's interesting i want to talk about something entirely different too Mm -hmm. and i think yes managing your money is super important right but something in your 20s too that i think is even more important to manage and always invest in other than your money is your head and your mind and and your knowledge and your skills right Mm -hmm. and i think that more than anything will always bring you value especially Mm -hmm. in your 30s right if you don't know 
if you don't have any specific skill sets or if you don't have any sort of knowledge, value yeah. or knowledge that you can add to other people's lives, there is no way you can make money or a decent amount of money, right? And I think it's really important is just to spend a lot of time learning from people who've done it before, mm-hmm. going out there searching for knowledge, going out there reading, going out there on YouTube, learning how to do things, right? I think learning is is not just in your 20s, but a lifelong thing that you need to continuously do. And, you know, how does this relate to wealth management, right? How does this relate to wealth? Well, honestly, the source of wealth is value, right? The source of wealth is knowledge. It's skill. It's skill. And if you don't have this, there's no way in heck you can build wealth. There's no way in heck you can make money. Right. right, you can't save your way to become a millionaire. Is what Kevin's saying. You've yeah. got to have a vessel that'll get you the dough. But what we're kind of talking about is when you get that dough, how do you place it? You know, um, in a way that's much better than just leaving it as cash under a mattress. Exactly. And and so you know, uh, once you get to that point, you manage it, and you know how to manage it. Great. That's a whole another part too. But I think also a large portion of your time in your twenties is getting to that point obviously it's important to balance that dichotomy with you know the money that you currently make Mm -hmm. and to manage that well but play hard on the offense too to add the most value learn the most that you can during this time so that you can make money very easily Right, you know, that, yeah. What we were talking about <laughs> earlier on was defense. Yeah, you know, what you're kind of talking about now is kind of offense. Exactly. You got to play both. And I think, yeah, great defense, great offense is yeah. important. You yeah. know, you can't be a one one trick pony or a one sided player. Absolutely you know? not. And a great weapon that you can employ to increase your offense, mm-hmm. right? I think in 2019 is something that doesn't require money at all. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, it doesn't require any marketing courses. Doesn't require any pyramid scheme get rich quick kind of stuff this this one skill has to do with the art of asking high quality questions see everyone's always talking about investing crypto right become an instagram influencer become a youtube vlogger right invest in stocks become a real estate investor own your own business you know have a podcast you know turtle out cars whatever whatever it is provide a service but the one common denominator about getting good at all of these things or even figuring out how to do any of these things is to first know how to ask great questions. Mm. Because when you're good at asking questions, you can find someone who's already doing this well and leverage their knowledge to get to where you want to go faster. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll give an example. It's like I knew nothing about investing a year ago, mm. right? So how does one go about you know, getting more savvy and a little bit more intelligent um, about like a field of investing, right? You can, you, I literally asked myself that question. So how do I do it? Right. There's a couple of ways I can talk to clients that I've worked with in my line of work that are highly successful financially. You know, I can go to YouTube. I can Google stuff. I can talk to basically just anyone that has expertise in that specific field and have a lunch with them. Or let's backtrack that. The skill and art of asking people who are above you or who you want to learn from to even want to have lunch with you. You know, the ability to ask questions, I think, is so underrated and it's so important because that's really the key that's going to help you unlock um, whatever path you want to go 
and you know whatever path you want to take yeah 100 percent, man i think that could be a whole another topic asking great questions it, yeah. in itself but i think we tackled so much in today's podcast and i think this is just really scratching the surface you know about wealth but i think just following these simple principles and kind of understanding and implementing a lot of things that we talk about in this podcast will already put you in a really, really good position and set yourself up in towards the right momentum, towards the right direction to uh, become wealthy mm-hmm. in you know your later years. Yeah, if not for wealth, you know, at least for the state of mind, mm-hmm. because in order to become wealthy, you need to think wealthy. Mm-hmm. And so it starts with the mind. Yeah, 100%. Well, I ho- hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. If you like it, we really appreciate it. If you uh, left us a review, uh, it helps us connect with more people like yourself. And smash that subscribe button smash so for future future goody goodies that yep. we're going to share with you guys. Yep. And hey, if you found this really valuable and you think a friend would also enjoy this podcast, send it to them. You know, I think the more that you share wealth with others and you connect with others and you surround yourself with people who are like-minded or you inspire other people to start thinking like this, I think that's also something that's really valuable too. I think wealth has a lot to do with the people that you know, the people you associate yourself with. So if you found this valuable, share it with someone that you think would enjoy this as well. Um, yeah, and you might learn even more than you thought you already knew just by talking to other people, you know? Mm-hmm. 100%. Well, until next time, guys. We'll Take talk. care. Bye. Bye.